Hi everyone, welcome back for another episode of Leaving Footprints. This is Mira and Ankit. I'm super excited today to be speaking with our guest who I've known for like I think seven years now. I was counting earlier. <laughs> so she's someone that I've had the pleasure of having in my life and has been an inspiration to look up to both with personal and professional development. So without further ado, today's guest, Saida. Can you introduce yourself to our guests real quick? Yeah, of course. Uh, hi, my name is Saida. I also go by Coaster, but for this podcast, I'll go with Saida. Um, I'm a senior software engineer at LinkedIn. I've been in industry for a few years now. And a fun fact about me is I love latte art. As we were just talking about, it's a passion. So uh, yeah, that's a bit about me. <laughs> Yeah, she has a whole Instagram page for her latte art, which we'll talk about later. Yes. <laughs> um, so just right off the bat to get started, can you tell us a little bit more about your professional journey to where you are? Like you, you worked for so many awesome companies. Like I know you used to work for Cisco and now LinkedIn. So can you talk to us about that? Yeah. So um, after graduating uh, in computer science, I started at Cisco. Um, so I was a software engineer there. And I really loved the role because the team was super collaborative. I learned a lot. It really helped grow my skills as what does it mean to be a software engineer, work with the team, understand um, business needs. Um, so I was working more in infrastructure automation there um, in the monitoring space. And now uh, when I moved over to LinkedIn, um, I was working in the infrastructure automation space here too, but for the data center domain if that kind of makes sense. <clears throat> and what I'm doing now is I'm working with Azure Networking Automation. So what we do is that we're building tools to help our customers um, integrate resources to Azure. So um, that's a bit about what I'm doing, what I had done at Cisco and I am doing now at LinkedIn. What made you want to get into the field of software engineering? Because I know for me, initially, when I had started off coding earlier in my undergrad, I was extremely overwhelmed by it. So what made you kind of like get into that journey of pursuing software engineering? Yeah, it's actually an interesting, or I don't know if interesting, funny, it's a funny story. So <laughs> I've always been into tech as a kid. Um, I would watch, you know, like tech now. And so I knew I wanted to be in IT, but I didn't know necessarily software engineering or what kind. So when I entered Davis, I was actually an electrical engineering major. And so, but on the first day of orientation, I met my, uh, I met a friend and then she was doing biomedical engineering. And I said, that sounds cool. But then when I went to um, the chemistry classes that first quarter, I was like, oh, okay, maybe chemistry is not for me. I went back to electrical, but I don't know, something was off about it. I don't know what was off about it. Then I tried business for a quarter. And long story short, I don't actually remember what specifically made me come back to computer science, but I came back and then I knew, oh, I was an internship actually. Then I knew, oh, I wanna be a software engineer because I love coding, I love solving problems with that. And it's awesome, it's like you need, just need your computer and your brain and you can do so much. So uh, that's what I like about it. And also software engineering itself is pretty broad, right? I mean, there's multiple areas. You can do like networking, like I said, infrastructure, you could do product facing um, internal. So I just like how you can learn so many tools and technologies and like I said, um, it's a super fun area, at least for me. <laughs> I think it's funny that you, I feel like chemistry is the one that weeds people out because I was also a different major coming in and I took chemistry and I was like, okay, this isn't for me. Yeah. <laughs> funny enough, actually, I entered into UCI for my undergrad as an electrical engineering major as well and then switched to analytics after like kind of taking more business classes. So that's Yeah, kind of, I like that. <laughs> so it's, we have had a similar journey in that terms. And I think it's really interesting how you kind of spoke about 
how you can do a lot with just like a bunch of code which you write it's actually at times when i'm when i'm writing code especially for a capstone i always kind of just like pinch myself and I'm like did we actually do this and we actually making something which is going to eventually help out people in some capacity so it's always like a lot of fun kind of doing it's a very creative process as well so i kind of i think i completely agree with what you just said earlier yeah i think it is kind of crazy how you can do this in coding and make it mm-hmm. a thing like that's such a weird way of putting it and i was explaining to my mom one day like one of the projects we're doing like we're detecting masks in yeah. images and i'm just like oh we told the com- we wrote in the computer for them to look at the picture and see if there's a mask in it and it's just like it sounds so simple and it's so weird that you you have like you can do that yeah <laughs> it sounds simple but we do so much background behind it and it's just like the process of learning of how to actually build those algorithms and models i think that's been a very rewarding process and i think kind of talking about how like writing code you see it seems very simple at times but it's actually a very different process it's a very cute like process of growth because you kind of debug then you like like you know get rid of all those extra things so i think you put it beautifully over there that how we kind of just it's very creative and we progress it beautifully from there yeah definitely and i wanted to add to that i think also it's like there's many layers to it right like there's the foundational like what is the language do i know the syntax and there's the next level like how do i design for it so just like you said right um you might think if people think it's simple like oh i created this but so much goes into it so yeah um i had a follow up question so you kind of mentioned you had an internship in undergrad mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit more about that and since our audience we kind of the audience is kind of like uh students and people looking for opportunities so how would you like what advice do you have for them to getting an internship yeah yeah um so i did Two. the first one was more of like a summer program the second one was an actual formal internship so the first one was part of um intel they had like a summer of coding boot camp type thing and that's where I really got into the front end development portion of it um i think the way that i learned about that was through the career center so that really helped me a lot um and also i think the word of mouth and i actually made a few friends from that as well um So for the second one which was at with HPE I was a networking intern um I think that was I actually that was like the career fair so I mean oh. I know it's a lot of things are more virtual these days but I'm sure there's like online career fairs I don't know but I think definitely um do go to do go to them and I think what helped um when preparing for that specific like career for career fair pitch was me understanding like this is what i bring to the table like i don't obviously remember the, what i said to them but i remember like i showed up with energy with passion this is what i do i'm willing to learn and obviously you know have some base knowledge which i'm sure everyone does right so mm-hmm. um that's kind of that experience around that and oh i i guess now these days of course i do want to you know first say update your linkedin right i mean <laughs> you know say that you're looking for internships you know and showcase your talents and your side projects that really helps a lot would help a lot I think with LinkedIn one of the biggest factors is the outreach because it's not just like your connections who can like like your react like interact with your post but anyone who interacts with it it kind of spreads apart and the word of mouth plays a huge role in this mm-hmm. so I think LinkedIn is a very good platform to kind of build up your network and look out for posts on our Instagram for like networking uh, tips and advice and from more from side as well Awesome yep and I I will say to that I also realize like If I was a student now what I would do is continue to like like you said or engage on posts but make it be meaningful so I'll check out your link as well so I'll share it on to anyone that I know is looking. Thank you. 
Uh, I'm super obsessed with LinkedIn these days. So <laughs> I love your post. <laughs> I like <laughs> my comments. <laughs> I know. I like it when you comment on my post. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you told, you spoke about your like kind of your professional journey. How do you kind of set goals for yourself? And like, what was your process of achieving them? Yeah, um, I think what definitely helps is um, I have a planner. So I've been using Passion Planner the past few years. Um, and I feel like I've always been goal oriented, but it wasn't necessarily like, passion planner focus until just like a few years ago. So what I've done is depending on the stage of life, um, let's just stereotypically just say the beginning of the year, right? Um, Like what do I want to achieve this year? And what I like about the passion planner is you can, there's like this like diagram, which has four sections. Um, I want to say, I forgot the exact month is one, one I think is like three to six months. One's like a year, one is six year goal, a few year goal, and one is like long-term goal. So that, that helped me kind of map out different things. And then there's one specific goal, which you it's called your game changer goal. So that's going to say, what is one goal that if you achieve is going to um, create positive change across other goals? And so, you know, I would write that down and then I would say, this is what I need to achieve towards that. Um, what also helped me with the planner is, I mean, like realistically, you know, I can't always follow, we, we don't always follow our planner, right? But I think it's nice having a place to document it. And then when you are super into it, it also helps you be accountable. You know, this week I want to achieve X, Y, Z. Okay, maybe I only achieved X and Y. I'll move Z over. But hey, that's still sub- better than nothing. And honestly, even if you can't get to anything, you know, at least it's there. So um, I think that's what's helped me. So basically writing it down, tracking it, holding myself accountable, and also having people to hold me accountable as well. So that's helped a lot. I think the last point which you said, like holding each other accountable, I think that's a really good point because in this program, especially since it's so fast paced and with the quarter system, most people in the UCs know like how fast paced a quarter system is. And it's very easy to kind of get lost in the middle and experience burnout because very, it's a very common process and that happens to us every quarter. And I think I'm very lucky enough to have like friends like Mira and then like one of our other friends, Misha, to kind of keep each other on track. We're kind of looking uh, in terms of assignments, like we always check up on each other, like, are we good? Do we need help? And I think just checking up on each other, whether we're done with it or not, because I think it's like, at the end, the end product is usually a grade, but like we're also trying to learn at the end of the day. So it's kind of always good to help each other out. And as you said, like stay accountable as well. Yeah, I, I agree with everything. And I like that, like, I make goals, but they're in my head. So it's like, okay, well, if I forget one or if I, it's just there, like there's nothing holding me accountable. But if you write it down, it's like a reminder that, hey, we should probably do this. <laughs> so I think that's a good point. I think a lot it's, of people make the vision boards and stuff yeah. as well for that purpose only. And I think having that vision in front of you, like, mm-hmm. okay, this is what I want to achieve. I think that's definitely something which I will do as well now. Mm-hmm. Um, so next, this is actually something I'm interested in learning about you. So I know you've done a lot of public speaking. And I think you might have done a couple of talks virtually uh, during the pandemic. So I'm just wondering, like, have you always been comfortable talking in front of audiences? And if not, like, what's made you more comfortable with public speaking? Yeah, definitely. Um, So I did speech and debate in high school, but I would say I became more comfortable talking once I started Toastmasters in Cisco. Mm -hmm. Um, That really helped give me, like, another, like, guided approach to, like, um, doing talks, both structured, you know, like, X amount of minutes and unstructured and um, impromptu. So I think this that consistent practice has really helped, had really helped me and also getting that real-time feedback. Um, I really love my Toastmasters club. We're all super supportive. 
And then once I got the confidence, okay, I can speak to this room. Um, then I started doing competitions, which, I mean, I'm super competitive. Yeah, <laughs> if you all know me. <laughs> so I think that also kind of fueled my desire, like, yeah, I want to be the best I can be at both humorous and international. Um, and so, but of course, I mean, like, you know, I'm not perfect. No one's perfect. Right. I mean, um, I still get nervous going on, you know, in front of a big group, any group, you know, but I think it depends like on the subject matter. And it's like, I do the best I can to rehearse and be prepared. And at the end of the day, all I know is like, I'm going to show up authentically. And I know that whatever I know, I know that I, I know the subject that I'm going to talk about. I'll do the best I can. If I need help, then I'll reach out. So I think that confidence has also come with time too. So I think that's what's helped me with my public speaking journey. And always, of course, there's more to learn, right? I mean, no one's perfect. So, um, but it's something that I'm passionate about for sure, as, as Mira mentioned. Uh, funny enough, I was actually in Toastmasters when I lived in Dubai. Uh, oh, yeah? I used to be in the Ace Cavill Club, which is for teenagers and like uh, kids under the age of 13. So I had a, I think that was one of the, that also was like a huge factor in me kind of just being more comfortable speaking in public, as you said. And the, I think the competitive aspect is very real. I am a very competitive person as well. <laughs> uh, you kind of spoke about it, but um, kind of how, like when you, what do you like prep yourself in terms of when you're going on stage, let's say you're going for a competition. Do you have any like routines or something which you do kind of just preparing yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it depends on the, like what I'm doing. If I'm doing in person, am I doing virtual? I think right now I'll speak to the, like a generic aspect. So generically, you know, I try to rehearse the structured talk, but the structured talk I do in an outline. I don't, I used to do paragraph, but I realized, you know, you don't memorize paragraphs, maybe unless you're an actor, I don't know. But, um, you know, an outline is more, um, it's more casual, you know, it's more approachable. Like I, I know that sometimes, you know, when I have, you know, come on stage and um, it was rehearsed, I would sound like a robot because I was literally a robot rehearsing, you know, setting my lines. But as I learned to be conversational and think of it as an outline, that has helped me. Definitely taking like a few deep breaths. I have like my little, like, as I was talking to Mira before, uh, my little public speaking pre-routine where it involves me, you know, drinking enough water, having a good breakfast, Oh, and drinking green tea, but not too much green tea where I'm too caffeinated, but like just enough where you're like a little caffeinated and then sipping as I go. I mean, obviously not, I can't always be sipping tea when I'm presenting, but you know, that's that's my little routine. And of course, taking a few deep breaths and clearing your voice. <laughs> the reason I asked this question was because I think public speaking in many ways is similar to interviewing for candidates, because mm -hmm. essentially you're kind of going and putting it out, you're putting yourself out there for people you possibly have never met before. So I think whatever you said applies to that as well. And I think that'll be really useful for our listeners to kind of use in the job search process and the interview process as well. Oh yeah, and sorry, I wanted to say one thing around that. So I think, I guess I like the way you tied it in. So it's basically like you are rehearsing, you know, what helped me is I practice in front of my friends and family and they gave me their feedback. They're brutal, but it helped me grow. You know, I think that's what's really important. Um, and so, and some of them, of course, were nice comments too. So I think definitely practicing with your friends and family is also helpful to grow. Yeah, I totally agree with all of that, especially how it's similar to an interview. Because even in interviews, you don't want to seem like you've practiced all your answers because you, you want to be a human, you know, like you want to be personable. So I think that definitely helps. Um, and then next, I actually wanted to ask you about your new Instagram page. Coda, coda latte. How, how do you pronounce it? Coda latte? Yeah, coda latte. 
Yeah. So like what made you put yourself out there in that way now? Yeah. So it's interesting that um, we bring that up because I basically started the Coda Latte as my handle. After I gave my first tech talk last year, it was a Python code review tech talk. And I wanted to connect with people on Twitter, you know, so I I literally was like, what is what is a good handle that describes me? I like coding and I love lattes. And that's that's it's you know, that's my handle now for Twitter. Um, so then after using Twitter, I realized, you know, a lot of people are on Insta. I mean, I'm on Instagram too, but I wanted to have a way to connect on Instagram for both my coding and my coffee um, passion. So then that's when I created my code a lot to Instagram. Um, but it, that's, but now um, I've been using it more for showcasing my latte art, you know, comedy, inspiration, things like that. So what inspired me to keep going with that is I think, like I said, it always comes down to community. I think um, I'm really happy that, you know, my friends are supporting me, family, and then I made so many new friends and connections through that account. And I'm learning so much about, you know, um, like latte art techniques, but also just, you know, like life lessons as well. So I think that's what's keeping me going. And it's a fun way to express yourself. I think like maybe creating a public Instagram account isn't for everyone, but it's just a way I like to express myself and then also, you know, connect with everyone. So especially during pandemic, right? I mean, so it really helped a lot. (laughs) I love the page. I love like how creative everything is and the jokes and everything. And the name is like golden, like Like, it's so, it's so funny. It's like really, I like it. Yeah. And as you know, like I, I am obsessed with puns. So (laughs) I think having a creative outlet to kind of express yourself, especially during the stressful time of the pandemic and just like whenever you're kind of stressed is really good. And I think it's really admirable that you're kind of doing that on the side as well, because a lot of people kind of, when they start working and I know for a fact that when I start working, like I get so engrossed into it that I kind of ignore the things which actually like I enjoyed in terms creatively. Like, I mean, I know for like, I attended a dance workshop a few weeks back, which I hadn't done for a really long time. It's been a year since I danced. So I think just kind of expressing yourself creatively is a really good way to kind of de-stress. And uh, it's really, like, really cool that you're still doing it over Instagram platform there. Um, so I think we kind of spoke about this. So do you have any other specific things that have given you inspiration to kind of continue to succeed in your career so far? Yeah, I think definitely um, the support of like my friends and family to keep me going in my career and personal life. I think that has really helped. Um, I think that I think also it's just trying to have like a growth mindset. I've emphasized growth mindset a lot, especially when I gave my so I, I gave a, a code review talk at great, the Grace Harper conference last year. I guess that's my my favorite talk. Right? It's like a goal. I look I had journaled. I looked forward to for an entire year. Um, so having a growth mindset, I think has helped me, um, always things to learn. Right. But I think a growth mindset, just for people who maybe are not, are, are not familiar with it's, you know, instead of just looking at a problem and you're stuck and you're like, Oh, okay, I'm just going to give up. It's like, you look at a problem, like, what can I learn from this? What can I grow? And, you know, and hopefully sharing that knowledge with other people. So some of our listeners who are like kind of trying to pursue software engineering in the, like as a field, as a career. So do you have any advice for them in terms of like how they should prepare themselves to land a role in software engineering? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think the traditional advice of, um, you know, doing an internship, doing side projects that would help. But I think nowadays also it's like for your side projects, you know, have to have, obviously you need to have passion on what you're doing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you could look up a, a, a one day tutorial and create an app and say, I'm done. That's not, that's, I'm glad you're doing that, but I would encourage you to take a step further, understand the internals. Like, why does this work this way? You know, 
um, and then maybe experiment by adding features. Another way to stand out, I think definitely is the communication skills right now, you know, you know, virtual now these days, I'd say communication is even more important. So practicing your soft skills around that. So I think definitely like having strong communication, um, working on your technical, I'd say breadth right now when you're looking for your first job, you know, do you know some front-end technologies? Do you know back-end? Have you worked with databases? Um, and I'm not looking for like five years of experience, I right? just like the basics, you know? And are you, are you willing to learn? Are you a quick learner, strong learner? Is this something that's core to you? Um, I know at least that's core to me. I think for me personally, sometimes like uh, what I kind of feel like kind of holds me back when I'm applying to jobs and interviews is like when they usually have the, um, like they need five years of experience and I'm someone who just went from undergrad to grad and I don't really have the full-time work experience of like with someone with like seven years of experience, professional experience has. So do you have any insight into like, like resume building and all of those things, like how you should, like any tips for the resume and stuff? Uh, yeah, um, it's it's been, I'd say like years since I have written a resume, but I do remember when I wrote it, um, I definitely at the top made sure to highlight my top skills. And then uh, for each of the roles that I had, um, you know, trying to follow the active verbs, like built this, you know, created that. Um, and I think, with resumes, what I realized is you can do a million things, but it's going to look, it's not, no one's going to care unless you uh, phrase it correctly. Right. And you make it succinct and concise. You know, if you can, you, if you can say 10 lines of stuff for one role, but if you can say it in three lines and it's, it's, it'll catch the eye, you know, I don't know if I'm explaining myself correctly, but making it concise. Um, and, um, at least maybe having someone review it, um, your resume to see if they have any feedback. Um, I guess there's people online too that can help with that too. <laughs> I think what you just said is like, you can say a lot in a few words. Yes, so yes. Kind of just being like more concise, like as you said, conciseness, but also like relaying the message properly, like not leaving something out. So I think that's, that's kind of the, I think even Sashay spoke about that in our previous podcast, like kind of being concise, but also using like numbers and things to quantify what you're talking about. Uh, because at the end, like you can do a project, but if it's not really making a difference to the company or like difference to like in any capacity, there's no essentially passionate, like you're not showing any passion in the project as you spoke about earlier. So I think it's really important to kind of consider those things when you're like writing up your resume. And one thing which I learned is like customizing your resume per company, that's been really useful in terms of getting responses. So use that as well. And you want to talk more about like the interview process at LinkedIn? Yeah, so I can also I can just talk about it, I guess, generically for tech companies, because I if you want to find any tech, any tech companies, most of them will have like the initial, you know, recruiter will review your resume, like, are you a good fit for the role, then they'll do like a, you know, technical phone screen, um, from my experience, and um, it can go in multiple ways, you know, it's, they just want to see, can you communicate, um, do you know what you said on your resume, uh, type thing, and then they might have multiple phone screens, um, but it, eventually you'll get to the on-site and the on-site will consider of uh, multiple modules. Um, it differs for company, so I'll just keep it generic. Like, um, you know, maybe you'll have like a design component, you have a coding component, you have a soft skills component, um, hiring man manager component. So there's multiple layers. What really helped me on my interview process was um, cracking the coding interview. Um, I'm sure everyone here um, might've has heard about that. <laughs> That helped me a lot. And then there was, I think there's like online grokking the system design interview. 
Um, that really helped me a lot too, in terms of the design aspect of it. Oh, but I think one, a couple main takeaways from when I was interviewing and practicing, it's um, you need to have the ability to articulate what you're coding, even if you don't know what you're, you don't know the end result, right? You're like, I'm gonna create this, this is gonna do this, you know, talking through. And um, I think second of all is at least, um, like I said, understand the basics of your language and why. Like for example, if you're Python, you know, like what is a iterator, what's a generator, like, you know, list comprehension, just re refresh yourself on um, fundamentals for the language that you're interviewing with. I actually have a follow-up question because you spoke about code. So I know for something when I write code, like I usually put comments for everything, like what we're doing and kind of explaining it. So do you have any advice when you're actually writing code and kind of, because I know structuring code and the design of the overall code is very important to companies because they're looking at someone who can easily explain it to like uh, C-level executives and everything. So do you have any advice in that aspect when you're kind of preparing ourselves during, when we're applying as well? Um, I think what helps first is depending on the scope of whatever you're coding is having creating a design document. It could it could be a design document or it could honestly be as simple as a simple diagram, right? That's what I actually did this past week. You know, I had a design approach for a feature that I'm working on. I ran it through a couple of people. They said it looks good. And then they gave me some feedback on how I can improve that design. Um, and then I'm going to be implementing it today. So I think um, if you, because once you get the buy-in at the design level with the diagram, it saves you a lot of you know pain having to like restructure your refactor your coding but okay let's say your design goes through and you do code i, I like what you said about the comments like what i do too is right i write pseudocode like xyz you know and then i'm gonna code it um i think what helps also is getting at that level then you're when you submit it for review depending on your company right um code review you're gonna get a lot of uh, comments on maybe how to refactor or this looks good or things like that um, I think that helps. So yeah, I do. I love your approach about, you know, commenting as you go and making and working on that so that it's easy for anyone who's coming in to understand. Oh, and also, of course, following coding best practices. Um, there's a few software engineering books that I read. I remember from the, like I had on my bookshelf, but um, there's, I have to get back to you on those resources, but they helped me in terms of best practices for like function naming and design and things like that. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And I'm, uh, I'll definitely, con for the our caption project as well, design has been a huge, I think something which we're considering. So that's really good advice. Yeah, I thank you so much for sharing all this advice. I think it's really helpful, not like to us as also and mm -hmm. our audience, like with everything. Um, and then just kind of to kind of wrap up the episode, um, where can our followers find you and reach out to you if they have more questions? Yeah, definitely. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, you can enter my full name. I'm on there. Um, you can at, follow me on Twitter at Codalate and on Instagram at Codalate as well. <laughs> okay, sounds good. And we will definitely link those in the description for this episode. But yeah, thank you so much for being here today with us. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for taking your time to speak with us. And I think I learned a lot and I'm pretty sure Mira as well. So thank you so much for speaking with us today. And I think, yeah, thank you for listening, everyone. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.